Welcome to Legends from the Hill, the Franciscan University Alumni Podcast, where I talk to alumni about their candid experiences as students and what they're doing in life now. Here in Season 3, we look forward to hearing from alumni across the globe about how Franciscan University has impacted their life and the lives of people around them. I'm your host, Christy Fleming, Class of 2010 and Director of Alumni Relations at Franciscan. Thanks for joining Legends from the Hill podcast. Today we have Kristen Pine Ruth on the podcast. Kristen graduated in 2007 with a degree in French and business. Originally from Newtown, she's been an accountant at Ernst & Young since she graduated. She's married to Jim Ruth, and they have five young children. We're honored to hear more about her life and their experiences today. Great. Christy, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you today. It's good to be here. And of course, with the Christy that spells her name the proper way. You know, it's okay. We got that same Christy name here. So I am excited to hear more about where you are and what you're doing. But can we go back uh, to the beginning and hear a little bit about where you're from and how did you choose to come to Franciscan to study? Yeah, uh, so that's a great question. Um, I'm from outside of Philadelphia. So I live in Bucks County in a little town called Newtown. Um, I joke with my sister that she started a trend because now there's a lot of Newtonians that have uh, graduated from Franciscan, so she really uh, was a was a trailblazer. Um, like many students that attended Franciscan, I had zero desire to go there. My sister would coach all of her friends, you know, don't ask Chris like where she's going or if she's coming, but you know, ask her where she's going. So they were all coached when I was, you know, sixteen. Um, I was dead set on a awesome Ivy League school in Philadelphia. It was the only college visit I made. Um, but was praying one day and got the call to uh, change course. And so I applied, was accepted, and decided to go to Franciscan. My goodness, that's great. I love those, like, the. it truly is God that calls people to Franciscan. So that's that's an exciting path. Did you know what you wanted to study or do when you got to Franciscan, or what kind of path did it take once you were on campus? Yeah, so when I was younger, I was very convinced I would teach the English language in France. And so I wanted to study French, but also international business, which was not an offering um, at the time I was a freshman. I understand it's been added. Good job, Franciscan. Um, So I chose French, um, and I was very clear on that part. And then I was a little less clear on how to fold in kind of my fallback plan, uh, which ironically became my focus plan. And so I folded in business, uh, just the finance concentration um, as I progressed um, and then went to France and realized I did not want to live in France. And so kind of did a converse flip. And then um, when I finished at Franciscan, that's why I ended up doing a master's in accounting and professional consultancy so that I was eligible for the CPA exam. So a lot of people think I studied accounting, which I very much did not, but (laughs) it all worked out. So we all have our own little circuitous paths to uh, using our degree, but I now do utilize both French and Really? Do you speak French with your position? So uh, I support folks that are on international assignment. We can unpack a little bit about what that means. But yes, I have um, a lot of folks that are uh, French touching and uh, French speaking country touching. So Switzerland, France, but other African countries. And so 
I do get to dust it off every once in a while. Not, not on the daily, not as frequently as I would like to. So. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really cool. Were you able to go to Austria? Did you kind of get that international experience? I did. I had, um, so I was fortunate enough to do two full semesters abroad. So I did Austria fall of my sophomore year, which was the typical timeline at the time I was at Franciscan. And then uh, spring of my junior year, uh, I spent a semester just outside of Lourdes, actually in Po, France, um, along the border of Spain, Pyrenees Mountains was kind of my backyard for that period. Oh my gosh. What was that through? Um, so actually, so lessons on Dr. Williams, um, from my time at Franciscan, he called their department there and basically said, Hey, can you give you know, some credibility to the coursework so that we can transfer credits back. And so I actually transferred out of Franciscan for a semester. Mm. The delightful aspect is it is basically free tuition in France. So I think my whole semester was about $2,000 plus the flight. So maybe $3,000 for my uh, housing, food and education. And then Franciscan was generous enough to accept 12 credits, but very different experience from Austria. So sure. I entered a French university, spoke French all day. I didn't know anybody getting off the plane. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that a little is, different. Yeah. Good for language skills. So, seriously, that is so unique and yeah, really good. I'm sure that is helpful to immerse yourself and be like, mm, not sure I want to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I came home and yeah, it was a good but hard semester. So, yeah. Wow. So, when you were at Franciscan and on campus, Uh, What were you involved in? What did you find that was something that was kind of your niche and interesting um, on campus? Yeah, so I'm a big believer in community, still am, but I joke I'm kind of like a floater. (laughs) So I participated in a lot of different things with a lot of different groups. And so at the outset, like household was of no interest. Again, harking back to, you know, my sister blazing the trail before me. Um, and she was in a household, Stella. Uh, and so I was like, nope, I will definitely not join the same household as my sister. (laughs) Um, but slowly, but surely became friends, um, individually with a lot of wonderful women. So did end up joining household, uh, again, a little bit later than, um, some others. So I think it was spring semester of my sophomore year where I chose a household. Um, But yeah, in terms of like works of mercy, um, a little Therese-like, I kind of chose all. (laughs) So (laughs) everything from homeless ministry. Um, I would say sidewalk counseling was one of the most impactful. Um, I had a knife pulled on me one time, which was like a very scary experience. But um, I think it really helped with empathy and love and just trying to navigate uh, a lot of different things from, you know, putting yourself in somebody else's shoes to Mm. the basics of safety. Um, And so... Yeah. Love everybody, no matter whether mm-hmm. you're on the opposite side of a proverbial sidewalk or not. Um, and then uh, I was also involved in like music ministry. So I played the flute. Um, there was uh, some uh, fun business related things. Uh, students of free enterprise uh, candidly joined that so that I didn't have to write a longer paper. <laughs> and I won't name names, but there are some gentlemen who may or not be uh, alum uh, that are now uh, on staff. And we did some very fun and silly projects um, in the community with Sife. Uh, and it was, it was great. Mm-hmm. So, Man, those stories just like they take me back. <laughs> and it's also like really I feel like Franciscan is so unique in all of those different things that you're involved in are also different, but so formative to 
the person that we become. And I just, I'm so grateful for that experience of Franciscan and hearing you say that it really like takes me back. Like who, what other college students are giving their time as sidewalk counselors and, you know, but also doing fun and silly things. And yeah, it's really cool to hear that. Yeah, I, I would say in particular, I didn't appreciate it at the time, but homeless ministry really helped with just kind of striking up conversation and navigating, um, again, very different circumstances, but particularly those in transient housing. Um, and now, you know, I've been working in a major city, so I work uh, between Philadelphia and New York. And so, again, just navigating like conversations and, and how to interact in a loving and kind way, but like understanding how to support um, that local community to feed them into, you know, the mm-hmm. systems and things that are in place to support them. So I really, in, in a lot of ways, I use a lot more of those skills from Franciscan probably than, you know, debits and credits from accounting mm-hmm. 101, which was also great um, and good knowledge base. But I would say, you know, similar to many other education, it's the outside of classroom experiences that kind of were formative and made it, made it worth it. And why I would go back for all the, joys and challenges that I experienced while I was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely that that human formation and developing that yeah, conversations and getting to know different people. That's amazing. Wow. Okay. So you graduate and then you have to probably study quite a bit and do some classes to get your CPA, I imagine. Um, so what was that kind of path and where has that taken you today? Yeah. So, um, before graduation, uh, I had a very challenging experience actually at Franciscan where I would say I had like a very quintessential nervous breakdown. It was actually the year that we overlapped and I was very grateful because my brother was also on campus and was a great support to me um, for anybody that knows Greg. Uh, and so what happened was basically that, that Christmas break where I had kind of thought like, oh, I knew what the path was. I was going to graduate and go to France. I really had like a crisis of, oh my gosh, he's like, I do not know what is coming next. And I was, you know, me well enough to know I'm a person that generally comes in with a plan and kind of sticks to that plan. Um, it's a bit of a fine quality. And so when I came home for the semester, really struggling with mental health, you know, my dad kind of had said, hey, you know, I, I know you did that volunteer income tax service, you know, is accounting something that you would consider? I'm going to an update. And so Blessings on my father through his networking, passed my resume along to my current employer, which is one of the big four accounting firms. And it was through the recruitment process that they recommended. They basically said, you have to be CPA eligible in order to qualify for the work. And I was not at graduation time. So they recommended a local program. So I did my ministers at Villanova, which is a school outside of Philadelphia. And uh, they said, if you do kind of a number of classes before, we can defer your start date till October, and then you'll be CPA eligible. So it was, I think I graduated May 12th from Franciscan, and I think I started at Villanova like May 25th or something, a very, very short break between, and uh, dove right into all things accounting, kind of making up for the fact um, sorry, Professor Madanak, that I didn't realize (laughs) that I probably should have picked accounting as a freshman, but just didn't feel the call, but was able to kind of, you know, sideways into it. Um, and then because I had taken a ton of, you know, AP and club classes, I was able to start studying for the CPA exam right away. So the first mm-hmm. year that I worked, um, so the May of graduation to the following uh, August, I did basically what would be equivalent to the four plus one at Franciscan. So I did it 
the master's in 14 months, mm. but while working full time, oh which gosh. is a little goofy. Yeah. Um, looking back now, um, maybe just to go out and for punishment, but <laughs> um, I also took my CPA exam. So the great thing was 14 months out of graduation, I had kept kind of the academic brain going, um, which I've recently fired back up and was grateful that I just kind of rode the coattails of Franciscan classes because a lot of standardized tests are things that you learn in school. So, mm-hmm. and then with respect to my actual employment and how I came um, to the role that I'm in now was a little, again, a little unique. So big four accounting firms uh, tend to recruit from large schools. So I live outside of Philadelphia. It was schools like Villanova and Drexel and Penn State. And I think, again, by the grace of God, they were very short on tax staff. And so instead of hiring five or seven, they hired like 22 that year, which was very unusual. And so that's how I joke. I think they were just looking for people with a pulse, but lucky for them. This little Franciscanite was um, a very uh, diligent worker. And then, of course, I was very blessed with a lot of really great mentors early on in my career that plugged me into some good projects. Mm. thing that was tricky is there was an economic collapse in 08. So the 22, 15 of those staff were let go. Um, Whoa. But my running, my running talk track for uh, recruiters, if any recruiters are listening, is a lot of the students that were left were like Susquehanna University, Franciscan University, and definitely a few Villanovaites as well, but it just spoke um, from my perspective, like a bit of a testimonial to unique and different, you know, business programs can produce, you know, really great, um, well-rounded students that can, that can still hang. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, I think like the kind of like wink, God wink, if you will, was I ended up working with all individuals who attended the school that I wanted to go to. And so I felt like it was God's kind of saying like, hmm. yeah, you didn't go Ivy league, but you ended up with the same role that you would have gone. Yeah. <laughs> and you saved a couple of dollars in the process and uh, were well formed. Right. Um, Got that again, formation. To point, the human formation component. So again, I, I'm, constantly humbled that I got the job that I got um, because it is a very rigorous career path to choose a big four accounting life, um, particularly as a female. And I look back now and I just, I feel like there was a lot of beautiful divine intervention and networking and people along the way that guided me. Um, So, yeah, Yeah, that is really incredible. And I, yeah, I don't want to overshadow that, like coming from Franciscan, being a woman, now being a working mom, all of that at a big four firm is very incredible. So way to go. It definitely speaks to your work ethic and relationship building and all of your, yeah, who you are as a person. Thanks, Christy. Yeah. And I would say that's, that would be like one challenge and thing that I would wish for, maybe not necessarily the program at Franciscan, but um, one way that I have taken as a give back is just trying to stay connected um, with the Career Counseling Center. Because I actually didn't, I didn't have a female um, professor my whole time at mm. Franciscan. And I was like, okay, it's incumbent upon me to, you know, when I retire, I got to go back. I joke with Father Dave, you know, maybe one day I'll have to come back and try. Uh, I think at this point, I'll probably be business management, not, not accounting. <laughs> but um, it, it's a little bit more challenging as a working mom. But I also found really beautiful community and a couple of women um, that were also Franciscan grads. One woman in particular, um, I'm not sure if you've ever crossed paths with Ruth Almeter. She basically runs her 
branch empire at this point. Um, but she and I never overlapped at Franciscan. We connected on something else. And I just remember it started. She sent me this incredible um, St. Joseph prayer for basically giving your work day to uh, the glory of God. And she would, she and I would like exchange photos, you know, she'd be going off on a jet, you know, and I'd be like, Oh my gosh. And like, you know, all we want to do is kiss babies. But the, the reality is that sometimes complementarity means, you know, somebody works more and somebody works less and this is the way that it, that it shook out. And um, so just having and kind of clinging to some of those um, powerhouse females, mm-hmm. <laughs> Franciscan grads as well, um, because we do very much believe in equality of like women getting, you know, these wonderful opportunities should they want them um, being paid the same, all of those, all of those great things while still, you know, pretty much believing in the sanctity of life, but you kind mm-hmm. of, you know, from a cultural standpoint, um, maybe struggle sometimes to find footing uh, because those things seem contradictory, but they're really not. So again, incumbent upon me to, to kind of seek out and find uh, mentors for myself, but also to be and make myself available um, for those navigating the same like challenging circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That's incredible. And we do need people like you and that witness and mentors and models. So thank you for doing all of that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, can you share with us a little bit about your family life and what that's like? And I know you've been on a journey in that too. I feel like you just, what can't you do and what can't you uh, journey with? This is so Lots amazing. Of things. If you ask, uh, if you ask my husband or my siblings, I'm sure they will gladly raise their hand to tell you all <laughs> of my, uh, my weaknesses. Uh, but I would say, uh, so I met my husband, Jim, who's also uh, a Franciscan grad, but out of Franciscan. And we joke, we were very grateful we did not meet while we were both there. <laughs> so I would have been a freshman when he was a grad non-trad. So he was doing um, a master's in mental health counseling. Okay. And he had come from, you know, I think I would have viewed him as a freshman, like this frat boy, like, oh, yeah. he had gone to um, another school for undergrad. And let's just say Jimmy Ruth is up fun guy. He is definitely the fun in the Ruth duo and I am happy to give him the accolade and, uh, and not even pretend I'm nearly as cool, but <laughs> Scythian, you know, small Irish pub band um, has a tendency to pull a Franciscan alum crowd. And we met um, on New Year's Eve in a bar in New York city. Mm-hmm. And he was there actually to take pictures for a cousin who was proposing to his now wife, uh, who was a friend of mine, you know, mm-hmm. the story unfolds. And then, um, we ended up uh, getting married. And one thing that we were very deeply aligned on was an openness to children, but also helping other people's children. Um, So to me, through his mental health counseling has always been in, I would say, support roles for kids that have like some serious challenges, Um, whether that's children of adoption, at one point I actually remember a date and was like, I just want to adopt this, you know, 14 year old young man. Like I just, like, he just is doing so well and has these services, but then goes home and it's like, just like a, a little bit tricky from like a home life perspective and said, you know, would you ever uh, like, would you be kind of focused around having your own biological children or would you ever be open to you know, adoption or, or fostering? He was like, Oh yeah, totally. And I want to foster like teens. And I was like, okay. <laughs> So I'm going to foster. I was like, babies are my job. Um, maybe we'll work our way up to teens. And so we welcomed our first three girls, Cecilia, Maria, and Olivia, uh, pretty much right off the bat. 
And when Olivia turned, I think, three, and we were all sleeping through the night again, we kind of revisited and we said, and um, it was 2019, and I said, you know, before we get rid of the cribs and the, you know, uh, baggage under our <laughs> eyes, uh, do we do we want to seriously consider? And so uh, a woman in the parish actually gave me the most beautiful advice. She has adopted many children from lots of different places and said, uh, it's a yes until it's a no. So just keep saying yes until you're very clear that it's a no, which is like the opposite because the culture always says like, mm-hmm. say no to everything. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between there is the right answer. But uh, so we applied, we got certified to become foster family in our county and we got the first call. And uh, so actually the first call was for twin girls. Uh, we said yes. And the girls were remain with excitement and then um, they found another placement really uh, they always try to place first with kinship so uncle came forward and was able to take those girls and then um, it kind of coincided with a bunch of series of life events you know my mom uh, was unwell so my mom got diagnosed with cancer we had just gotten certified then they call us pandemic hits (laughs) and then we get a call for a baby um, a precious little girl uh, Lila and so in summer of 2020 while everyone was like can't do anything. We're all staying at home. I was like, Hey guys, get a foster baby. Like nobody's <laughs> bored at our house. Um, so we, we had a good chuckle about that, but uh, so Lila was with us for 15 months, which was a really delightful experience. It was very clear from the outset that her dad, uh, had every intention to reunite with her, which is the, absolutely the point of the foster system. And we joke, he is like the poster child and dispelled all the myths. So I yeah. joke, with feminism, you know, we say working mom, nobody says working dad. Well, in the foster system, it's actually skewed pretty heavily against the dad. So we mm-hmm. said, we think the single dad is going to pull it out. Mm-hmm. And everyone's kind of like, eh, the dad's really get it together. He, as I would tell my girls, you know, kind of raced through his checklist. 15 months later, he reunited basically a couple weeks after my mom passed away. So we had like a couple of really tough um, life circumstances all collide in the fall of 2021. Um, but then my girls and I, we were joking one day, we said, okay, you know, do we want to consider fostering again? It was wonderful, but you know, obviously it's heart, absolute heartbreak, even when you see things go well. And we said, oh, wouldn't it be great to have like a little guy run through the house? Cause now we've had four girls. You know? And said, you know, we really should pray for twins. And at this point we're praying through grandma's intercession uh-uh. and so my friend just gave me the framed text message of it. I said, I, I prayed the family rosary tonight. And I said, you know, twin boys in 2023. And Cece goes, I'll double down on that one. <laughs> so she screenshotted it and just framed it. Because in 2022, we got a call for twin boys <laughs> a couple months later who have been placed with us for care uh, the previous two years. And a um, little bit different of a tale from Lila. So their parents are still having a bit of a tough time and it became evident that they needed an adoptive resource. So we raised our hands and Wednesday, uh, they officially became my sons. So Jimmy has some boys and I have some boys and the girls have brothers and Olivia, my six-year-old now, much to her chagrin, is now a middle child, no longer the youngest in an official capacity. Um, And so, yeah, I just feel like particularly actually through my work at my job. I've had incredible support through my family, through our parish and village. Um, Fostering is a very unique thing. Um, 
there's no red and blue. It is one mm-hmm. area of the universe that everybody agrees like it is good. Mm-hmm. There's no contention. And um, and the support is overwhelming and humbling, actually, a mm-hmm. lot of the time. Um, and I think it's still like a little, I think it's still a little bit of like a mystery. Like I think, you know, neighbors, you've got five kids coming out of the kind of <laughs> like, they're all so great and supportive and you know will help and come over and do all those wonderful things because again everyone just really agrees like this is a this is a good this is a good thing so Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's a little bit just in general about um our family life and kind of how we grew uh one way and then grew another unexpected way and so it's been um it's been a really great journey uh but yeah surprises abound every day I am sure. Gosh, that is so beautiful. Um, Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for doing that. How I am curious, like, how do you approach that with your girls of like the not knowing how long they'll be with you or, you know, being able to say goodbye? That must be really hard. Yeah. So uh, the talk track to them is just around. So first of all, it was a family decision. We wouldn't have, I don't think we would have fostered if they weren't all on board. And from the outset, um, you will refer in all of your language to the child, you know, not as brother or sister, you know, so we started with Lila, we uh, asked her dad's permission to call her cousin and then um, him uncle. So that even just like kind of the language of it sets Mm. in space around like you're here for a time. But I think, again, we think through like scripturally, like we're all really adopted, you know, fathers and sons. And my mom always used to say, like, I don't want to say I'm proud of you because I actually didn't do anything in the sense of like, you got these gifts. You were born this way. Like, I just have you for this time. And it's my job to kind of receive you and then give you back to God for whatever it is. And so it's really the same, Mm. (laughs) whether biologically born or um, adoptive. So we use a lot of that same language, you know, with our girls, like that they're gifts, that their mm-hmm. brothers are gifts, um, whether I carried both in my belly or not. And uh, the preparation. So I would say just like a shallower note, the preparation for reunification is a well-supported process. And so mm-hmm. there are a lot of wonderful, you know, I mean, I'm married to a counselor, so that really helps for sure. Um, right. But like a lot of wonderful like support groups to prepare for that. And then with Lila, we really lucked out because we're now her godparents, so she was oh, baptized. Oh. And then her dad actually came into the church, so Jimmy is Russell's godfather. And oh Russell is generous enough to basically come by uh, every, like, six to eight weeks. So they come and, and hang out. And so uh, we know and recognize that will probably not always be the same relationship with every placement. Right. We started with very, very unique set of circumstances. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is so beautiful. I love hearing that. It's inspiring and hopefully, yeah, other people can be inspired to take that leap. I was going to say, I'm, I'm always recruiting. Everyone will say like, well, I'm single. Like, that is not a preventative measure. The county will absolutely, you know, certify you as a single individual. Well, I work. They've got help from working parents. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all good, you know. So um, it, it is a, it is like a little bit of a tricky thing. I think sometimes it is a little baffling in like Catholic circumstances where it's kind of like, well, why don't you have like your own, you know. It's like, yeah, guys, but if we're, if we're really treating the sanctity of life, it's even, you know, teenagers that come with cell phones and lots of like emotional disturbance problems. So mm-hmm. I just joke, if the Catholic community might step up and, you know, just be good about fostering all the teens, mm-hmm. um, the whole system would be emptied out. Yeah. So guys, that's your, 
gauntlet thrown challenge. <laughs> right. And truly like a, a form of pro-life that maybe isn't talked yeah. about and really supporting those families and those people that are in that situation. Home to tomb. Yep. Totally. Wow. Well, thank you for that. That is really inspiring. It's beautiful. Welcome. Good. Well, we will um, close out here with a couple of hot takes from the hill. So to take you back down memory lane of Franciscan. Uh, so when you were a student, who was your favorite professor? Professor Matternack and Dr. Williams. It's a tie. <laughs> one from business and one from French. Uh, so, yeah, we were really lucky at the time to have Dr. Williams. French program is very small, but he literally got stopped at airports because people would think he was French. He had such an impeccable accent. So oh, my gosh. You only had one professor for your entire major. He was a good, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a good one. Wow, that's cool. What about your favorite class that you took? I don't know if I have like one one particular class. Um, I think probably the one that I learned the most from, I, I did, so as a non-theology major, I was like the opposite end of the spectrum. I think I took two classes, Christian marriage and uh, scripture. But I think that was one from which I draw regularly was the scripture one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And you just basically tore through the Bible. Um, so I had an ITI professor and actually an ITI in Austria. So mm-hmm. I would say that's probably one that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, what about your favorite place to study as a student? So for better and for worse, I had a pretty permanent fixture on the ground floor of the library, which I think I convinced myself. So I told myself studying was like an eight to five job. (laughs) So I would go to morning mass with Greg, breakfast, you know, and then I would go right to the library. However, it is a social spot to pick in the library. So I think, again, (laughs) I was deluding myself if I really thought I was doing class or studying eight hours. It was probably like five and a half to two and a half hours of reading people one by one. <laughs> so yeah, ground floor of the library, though looking back, perhaps not the most wise choice for advocacy, but yeah. turned out fine in the long run. That is good discipline though. That's impressive. All right. And finally, your favorite campus activity as a student. I would say, so I did morning prayer pretty faithfully the four years with um, the pre program. <laughs> So I was actually saying probably morning prayer and morning mass, which again, I did pretty faithfully. Um, uh, it set me up for life. It's something that I still try to carry through now. So I'd say that was probably my favorite. Without it, you know, it's hard to embrace the day. And uh, as Jeff Cavins jokes, you know, if you're an evening person and that's when you think you're going to get your hard time in, you know, you got to become a morning person. <laughs> so I did. Um, I did still am now. So whether by decision or by birth, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, morning mass Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Christy. I am just very edified and inspired by you and all of your yeses and your hard work and dedication to everything that you do. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Gosh, my joy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you know an alumni with a story to tell? We want to share legends from the entire university history and would love your suggestions. Email us at alumni at franciscan.edu. And I'll be back here in two weeks with a new conversation you won't want to miss.